In Christ's love, dear fellow redeemed, grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a psychologist in the Austin area who is a best-selling author of a book called The Lies We Believe. His name is Chris Thurman, and he's also written some sequels like The Lies We Believe in The Lies We Believe in Marriage or Marriage Lies That We Believe. But the reason I bring that up is it's, his work is a great work to help us realize that there's a constant tape recorder in our heads playing over and over certain lies that we've all learned to believe as if they were the truth. And part of our spiritual, emotional, and psychological growth, even our social growth, depends on us learning to discern the difference between a lie and the truth. I just want to propose to you that one of the biggest lies that we were all born believing is that the world revolves around us. In fact, we are all humanistically centered when we are born. The Bible has a way of saying this in Romans 8. It says, our mind naturally is enmity toward God. Uh, it, it, it says that in Genesis chapter 6, God says man's heart is inclined toward evil even from his youth. And there are many other uh, examples in the scriptures that talk about how we start me-centered or self-centered, or we'd say, generally speaking, humanistically centered rather than God-centered. And the lie we believe is that to interpret our life and to understand what's going on in our lives, we need to fit it into our understanding of what the good life would look like. And so we end up with many uh, crazy and difficult emotional struggles with disappointment and shame and all kinds of problems because we try to fit it into a paradigm with me at the center. When in fact, you cannot understand your life until you have Jesus Christ, the King at the center. And until you realize that he's watching over the whole world and, and the whole story of the world with all the billions of people that have lived on this planet are living on this planet now and are going to live on this planet, all of our lives fit into an epic story that he is writing, not us. And so this is a big shift in our thinking when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We learn that, we're, that, that true spiritual faith is not figuring out how to fit God into your story and to be you-centered Actually, the true spirituality that God wants is that we learn how we fit into his story. And it's a huge shift that happens when you meet Jesus Christ in your soul and the confrontation that he has with you that you are indeed a lost, condemned sinner who needs his mercy and grace, but that he came and gave it to you and gave his life for you to redeem you and make you become, to live in him and to be with him forever in heaven. And when you come to faith in the reality that your self-centeredness is condemning for you, but that God has forgiven you and he's rescued you in the son that he loves and the son that came and redeemed us, then you become God-centered. And the story of Jesus' life <clears throat> from the beginning when he was born of a virgin or conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, and ascended into heaven. That whole life of his is a package that, that is a centerpiece in history, and it's the, it's the best part of the story that you fit into. The writers, the apostles, the writers of the Bible, the, the, the apostles in the New Testament, 
they very clearly helped us see what it's like to live a Christ-centered or a theistic-centered life rather than a humanistic-centered life and how we can interpret and understand our lives. And so on Ascension Day, when we think about Jesus ascending into heaven to watch over the world for the good of the church, we're going to learn what it's like to trust in our Savior as we play our role in His story, not try to get Him to play His role in our story. By grace, He wrote us into His story. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul talks about this. The verses we're going to cover are Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. But before I read them, I want to tell you what Paul says before these verses. He says, from eternity, he's writing to Christians. He says, from eternity, God chose us in Christ to come to faith in him and his saving work. From eternity... If you have faith in Christ right now, from eternity, God chose you. And in your lifetime, it says in verse 11 of chapter 1, He worked all things according to His purpose to bring you to faith. So all the events of your life, no matter how human-centered you want to be about looking at them, like whether or not you made the cheerleading squad, or whether you got to be first chair in the band, or whether or not you got a speeding ticket, or had a car crash, or are dealing with some terrible disease, whether or not you are living a time of COVID-19 or not, all of the events of your life, good or bad, they all find their meaning in that he's working all things according to his purpose and will, not according to yours. And he used them all to bring you to people who would know Jesus and share him with you. For some of us, it started in, in meeting Jesus very, very early. I was born into a Christian family, and so my parents talked to me about Jesus before I could talk back to them, and they had me baptized into his name before I could say his name. Many of you have that same story, but all of us fit into God's story who know Jesus, and from eternity, he picked us, and he, by grace and not by any merit of our own, he wrote us into his story, and that brings great comfort and it brings great security and peace and it also puts us it, it helps us find our value but at the same time our value isn't from an egocentric self-centered I've got to be in uh, the biggest thing happening in my life kind of value it is I am deeply loved I'm a child of God I've been chosen from eternity and God wanted me as part of his story it's kind of like a movie company coming to Austin and a lot of them do that looking for people to be in a, a, the cast of a movie they're going to film. And he, God picked us to be in his film. From eternity, he picked us to be part of his story. And that's where our life is interpreted. That's where our life makes sense. We were all chosen to have a role in the story that he wrote. And our role is, first of all, being chosen to have faith in Jesus Christ. And that gives us value and comfort. So now we come to chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, about Jesus' story. And I want you to notice something about what Jesus is doing right now as he's the ascended Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23. God placed all things under Jesus' feet, and he appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God made Jesus, when he ascended into heaven and finished, had finished his work of saving humanity, God made him to be the head over everything. Do you remember, in, it's in the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Sometimes we rush past the words right before that, and they really are the foundation of our hope and our peace as we go make disciples. This is what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all people. Think about what he's saying. He is just about to ascend into heaven. And he says, all authority has been given to me. The apostle Paul, writing Ephesians here, says the same thing. God, Father, God the Father placed everything, made Jesus the head and placed everything under his feet so that he would rule everything. And then you've got to see this next phrase and make sure you understand it. It's highlighted in the passage here. He did it so that Jesus could rule everything for the good of the church, for the church, for the church. This is God giving you permission to interpret the meaning of your life as a Christian who's a member of the Christian church on earth, the holy Christian church, not your denomination, not your local church, but a member, a person in the holy Christian church, all those who call on God as their savior through Jesus Christ. For your good, Jesus is ruling everything. For every individual member in the church, he is ruling everything. For the church as a whole, he is ruling everything. I get a, a, an email that I subscribe to called the Christian Post. And it's news that Christians would be interested in that the rest of the world will not report on the 10 o'clock or the 6 o'clock news. It's news that has to do with how the church is doing in the world. And there are lots of, of online articles about how COVID-19 has affected churches or individual Christians or pastors who have died. There's a story about one pastor who got COVID-19. He went into the hospital, went on a ventilator. They made him better. He came home. Their church celebrated. He did an online sermon, got sick with his reoccurrence of COVID-19 two days later, and he died. There are stories about the persecutions happening in Nigeria and, and uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan and other places. There are stories about how churches are deciding to go back or not to in-person worship. It's called the Christian Post. The reason I bring it up, though, is when I watch it, when I look at those different articles and read them, I'm thinking about how's the church of Jesus Christ on earth doing? And Jesus, what are you doing about it? Well, the truth is, it's all in these three little words, for the church. This is the great story of the New Testament and of Revelation, that Jesus is ruling over all things for the church, the good and the bad. If there's something difficult or bad happening that the church is being negatively affected by, in faith, I interpret that as Jesus is watching over the church on earth and he's guiding history for the cleansing of the church, for the purification of our faith, for the refinement of what we believe to drive us back home to him and his means of grace. 
Or it's to help us learn to grow and to trust in Him. Romans chapter 5 talks about how the trials produce perseverance and perseverance produces hope that does not disappoint because you find your hope in the love of God that rescues you. All of the things He's watching over, COVID-19 and everything else that we're going through is for the good of the church. Loss of jobs, companies globally closing. Uh, One of my friends just called me on the phone today and he said he's got, a, uh, he's got a friend in Oklahoma there that has a company with 600 employees in Africa. And he was telling his friend, well, you're doing fine financially. You've got 600 employees in Africa. My friend told him that. And his friend said, they're all out of work because of COVID-19. It's global. It's everywhere. And what is Jesus doing? For the good of the church. For the church. He's making everything happen. So we would be close to him in faith and stay in the faith, trust in God and forever be rescued from believing this is what heaven is supposed to be. It's really up there with him. And he's refining our faith in his rescue and making us value it more than we did before for the good of the church. And I'm just telling you what I recognize. The Holy Spirit's got a laundry list of a thousand things that he and the Father and the Son are doing for the church while Jesus watches over it because the Father put it all under his feet. That's the second point. He's guiding history for the church. He's guiding the story. Uh, One of my favorite stories that made it to the screen some 15 plus years ago, I don't remember what year it was, but it was, it's called Lonesome Dove. It was its TV series that now you can watch as a whole movie, Lonesome Dove. And it's about a a cattle drive that started in South Texas and ended up in Montana. And it has probably 10 characters, and many of them die before they get to Montana. It's a great, epic Western, Lonesome Dove. uh, I remember a certain moment in watching that that movie when one of my favorite characters, played by the African-American Danny Glover, his name is Josh, in the movie, it's Joshua Dietz. When he, he and, the, and uh, uh, Robert Duvall, they get attacked by Indians and Joshua Dietz in the movie, which is played by Danny Glover, gets run through by a spear of a young, scared Indian and he gets killed. And I remember thinking, what a bummer for that actor. He's done acting in the story because he died out of the story. He's done. And that happens millions of times over in films. But it was that moment where I was thinking more about the business of acting and being part of a story and realizing that once they go, once that happens in that story and the crews go on filming, Danny Glover's done because his character is dead. And I thought about what it must feel like to try to interpret what his role was in the movie. He's actually a producer himself. Most actors become that if they're any good and he's a good one. The, the illustration that, it, that I see is that we're part of God's long story, his movie. We're all given a different role. And we're given a time to enter the story and a time on earth to leave it. But God's writing the story. We're not. And if we can keep our head and play our role in the story, our life will have the meaning that God wants it to have while he watches over for the good of the church. In other words, if you think that the events of your life that you're trying to make happen or keep from happening 
are you writing your story so it somehow it turns out the way you want it to? You are human-centered. You are self-centered, and you're not acting out of faith. But if you recognize that God has brought you into His story by faith in His Son, and that He's left you on this planet as long as He's going to leave you to let you play your role well and enable you to do that, to have an impact, like Danny Glover's had an impact on me years and years later, you, if you'll do that, then your life will have the meaning God wants it to have and you'll have the fulfillment that you want to have. Now watch how I show you this comes out of this passage. This is what it says. I'm back to Ephesians 2, verse 23. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 23. He does everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church on earth, all the Christians, are Jesus' body. And he fills the world with, Jesus, with his own body in every way by sending out Christians that he's brought into his story. From eternity, he picked us. That during this time, we'd be the Christians crawling around his ant mound. When we're gone, he'll have other Christians he's picked from eternity. Some of them are not even born yet. Uh, but they will be, and they'll be born again to his son Jesus, and they'll do his, they'll play their role and do his bidding in this, his story for the planet. But right now, it's our turn to, while he watches over things for the good of the, everything for the good of the church, to play our role. And, and like a great producer, director, he's watching us, and he may say, at any given time, he may need to say to you or me, cut, 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 you need to redo that, <laughs> because I wanted you to show grace and forgiveness to that person. I wanted you to see their need and meet it. Because like John the Baptist said, whoever has two coats, give one of them to the person who has none. Cut, cut, cut. I want you to redo that because I want you to play your role well. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit as he takes people he's brought onto his cast, put them on earth, and he fills the world with his Christians. We are Christ's body. We are his hands, his feet his heart, and we see, and we get to live here and see what the needs are. So think about the way you interpret your life right now with the people in your family and the people at your work, if you're working, the people on your street, the people in your church, the people in your community, the people in your world. Every single one of those concentric circles of influence for you is your role in his story. And he wants you to be the Joshua Dietz that he asked you to be. And he wants you to play your role boldly and with hope because you know you're already rescued for eternity. And he talks about this more in the letter of Ephesians. Go to that next verse. It's, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's only a few lines from our verse we've been looking at. And there are no chapters and verses numbered in the original writing. So this is the same thought being carried on through Paul's letter. So remember, he said Jesus has his body, the Christians on earth, and he's filling everything in every way through the church. And this is what he says, verse 10 of chapter 2. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is where the in advance from chapter 1 that comes before our verses and the 
in advance of chapter 2, verse 10, after our verses, this is how they all pull together in a circle of, of insight. From eternity, God picked us to be born again through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And He guided our life that we would come to faith in Jesus. Then He put people in our lives to keep us in the faith through the Word of God and the means of grace. And those people have been working in and out of our lives our whole time. Now, when He brought us to faith, in advance, He planned that by bringing us to faith, there were good works out of faith in Christ and honoring Him and love for people that we would do, that we would not have done had we never come to faith in Jesus. They all have a faith in Christ component. That doesn't mean you can always see it, but in the heart of the person that does it, it's because I love God and love people in His name that I do them. And so, He prepared in advance for you to do them. So if He put a person in your life that is like a porcupine, He prepared in advance that you would give that person truth and love. So they could, through their own failures in their relationship with you, find God. If he puts you in a place where you actually end up in a fender bender with someone else and you're at fault, that your good work would be your humility and your grace and your faith and your love for them that you would make sure that you made it right and didn't try to get out of it. You'd be a gentleman if you're a man and a gentlewoman if you're a woman. It's a good work he prepared in advance for you to do. And it goes on and on and on with every single thing going on in your role in your life. And he wants you to play your role boldly. And he wants you to see the significance of your life. There's, you don't interpret it based on you-centeredness, but on Christ-centeredness. And there's a reason to have hope even in the hour of your death. I'll never forget one of our dear saints, Walter Reek. I went to see him. He was, he was about to go on a ventilator. It was not during COVID. It was, it was many years ago, and he has since gone to glory. But he, he said to me in his ICU room here in Austin, Texas, he said, Pastor, the nurse that's coming in here to see me in my room does not go to church and doesn't have faith in Jesus, and I want you to reach out to her. And from his sickbed, and, and a man who could barely breathe, and has, uh, his heart was half dead, he, she walks into the room and he says, Pastor, this is nurse so-and-so. I've been telling her about Jesus and about our church. Now you talk to her. <laughs> and I thought, even in the hour that he's facing the end of his part in his role in the lonesome dove, he's playing his role boldly right to the end. And that's the goal of the Christian life. That's how your life has meaning and purpose that God intended it to have. And that's the meaning of the ascension. He finished his life, he ascended into heaven, and by his gospel and his Holy Spirit, he fills the lives of his people, and we live out the same Christ-like life, and where we're sharing the gospel like Jesus did from the cross on the day of our death. And we're doing good works all along, like when Jesus dying on the cross said, mother, here's your son, and son, here's your mother. We're just always overflowing with the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And that's our story. It belongs inside of his story instead of trying to make up your own story and bring God in to fit into your story. Hey, I hope you don't forget these things because they will keep you from believing a lie that will make you crazy foolish. And God doesn't want that. Have a great week and think about the ascension now that you've heard this message. Amen.